Welcome to Sips with Scrubs, a nurse podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly as it relates to nursing. I'm your host, Nurse Laney. I don't know why, I always like stumble over my words on that part, but <laughs> hey y'all, I'm your host, Nurse Laney. If you're new here, welcome. And then if you aren't, welcome back for another episode to you guys. So as you can see, it is just me for this episode and we're going to get into another nursing school story that I'm going to share with y'all. But first, we'll talk about our sips of the day. So today we are sipping on water. Y'all already know if you've been listening that I'm on my health and wellness journey. So I'm trying to get my water intake in. I feel like I've drink, I've had like three glasses so far. I'm not sure, but I'm I'm gonna try to do better. We're gonna try to make this a thing, guys. So today we're sipping on water, okay? Now we're gonna get into what would Lainey do? Okay, so on this post, the nurse says, I have been a nurse for two years in the emergency department. As you all know, the ED is a fast paced department 24 seven. My colleagues are very proud of how thorough I, a nurse I am. Um, if you guys are watching on YouTube, you'll see that I don't know what is she trying to say with that word. <laughs> It's misspelled, but um, it goes on to say, I always receive compliments about my critical thinking and my ability to handle different cases at the same time. However, for the past couple of months, I have started to become anxious after work. I'm still trying to figure out if it's because I don't get to process my experience with each patient or maybe other reasons. I find myself constantly checking my vitals in the middle of the night just to make sure I am okay. I am alive. My stethoscope has become my best friend. I listen to my heartbeat religiously. I just want to know, is there anyone else having post-work anxiety? Probably feels the same way. If not, someone who can relate. And what have you done for yourself? So I actually have experienced this. And um, I know if you've been listening to these episodes, I've said before that um, at times I can be, I kept saying the word callous and like not expressional. Is that a word? I don't um, emote physically. So like a lot of stuff happens in my head. I think it's like a defense mechanism that I've come up with when I was younger, when I've had my, you know how everyone has their little childhood trauma. So I feel like that's one of mine. So I said all that to say, it takes me a lot to get to the point where I feel like I'm having anxiety. So during the whole COVID thing, I've experienced a lot of different mental states, I guess is the best way to say it. And I'll be talking about that more in depth in other episodes and they'll have like an episode just solely dedicated to that. But to put it plainly, I've had times where I've had to leave like working on the COVID unit to take a mental break. And then I've had times where like I had to cut back on my work hours and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm just um, glad that I'm in tune with myself enough to know when I do need those mental breaks. So that ended up helping me out long term. But throughout that, I learned that like I could get to that point mentally where I do need a break before it's just like I just go to work and I leave pre-pandemic I never had a problem working I wasn't one of those nurses who took work home with me um, even if I experienced patient death I was very compartmentalized and I didn't um, take that home with me it wasn't until COVID where I started experiencing issues with um, 
having anxiety as it relates to going to work and then you know having difficulty sleeping because of that so it actually didn't develop until a little bit later i feel like when we were in the thick of things i was just so drained and so tired that when i got home i just went to sleep i didn't have the ability to process anything because then i had to go back to work the next day and and you know i was just like working through it but at the same time i wasn't working through it like the mental state i was just working through the day if that makes any sense so it wasn't until I believe the beginning of this year, 2022, where I started having symptoms of like having anxiety outside of work and like having difficulty sleeping as a result of that. And I think I had hit a point where I like was going like understanding all the stuff that I've seen and how traumatic it could be. And I think what really triggered it is I had a patient death that I felt like could have been preventable not on my end but just in general i didn't feel like this person had to die i don't know if you guys can relate but for me personally sometimes i'm like you know understanding of the death process sometimes it's kind of like okay i could see how this led to that i could see how that person died i could see how these choices led to this decision and things of that sort but in this particular instance there was no rationale to me that made sense as to why this person died so and then it wasn't even just like a, it was their time sort of thing like they lived their life and you know god's time and all that and i guess everything is god timing so he was meant to die so that's why he died but i felt like there were things on our side um in regards to healthcare that we could have implemented to prevent his death and i'll have an episode about that too because that was a very like triggering thing for me i feel like and i think that's when i began to start to have like around that time is when i was having work anxiety i also experienced some things on that unit that i was working on that made me feel like the nurses were incompetent and i was fearful of leaving patients with the team who was working nights because i didn't feel like they could adequately take care of them and i was like in fear of their safety to put it bluntly now um I just wanted to say that I did express my feelings about people incompetency to my manager, just so y'all know, like I wasn't like not advocating for people. And even some of the patients, they would come back and they would tell me like during shift change, like the nurse barely been in my room. And sometimes I take that with a grain of salt because um, sometimes people will say that on night shift because I used to work nights for three years. They'll say like you, they were barely in the room, but it's just like they came to check on you. You were just asleep. You know what I'm saying? And Technically speaking on nights, you don't have to go in the room that often because there's not like a lot of medication passes and a lot of stuff is done during the days and not the nights. And when stuff is happening at nights, it's more like emergencies type of situation. So if you're like a stable patient, then more than likely you don't have to be checked on so regularly. Now, I would still like open the door and like make sure you're breathing and stuff like that. But other than that, you know, I'm not going to wake you up for anything. So... I kind of took it with a grain of salt, but then when I start hearing more patients saying the same thing, like, oh, like they weren't in my room. It, okay, it's like, okay, it's multiple people saying the same thing now, so it must be true. You know what I'm saying? So I start having anxiety, like leaving work because I just feel like they were going to die. And at that time, I still was taking care of COVID patients, so they did have to be monitored like closely. And um, just to brush the surface of that patient death, um that happened i felt like it was like telemetry's fault they didn't call me when the patient was desaturating which means like their oxygen level was getting low 
So I had no way of knowing because I'm in another patient room. I'm not looking at the monitors. So that's what telemetry is there for. So a similar situation could happen all night. Like the night nurse could just not be in the room, not looking at the monitor or could just be in another room. And then if nobody is calling us, like anything could happen to those patients. Um, working with COVID people, especially the um, older ones and like dementia ones and, you know, forgetful ones, sometimes they would just remove their oxygen. And then if you're not in the room or nearby a monitor, you'd have no way of knowing that that's occurring. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it just makes you very anxious. And I think the fact that I've seen so many people die during the pandemic that I was just, you know, on edge. Like, I, I feel like I've personally seen maybe at least 10 people die, at least. And then on top of that, it's, um, you know, running rapids on patients to prevent them from dying. Then you transfer them to the ICU where they did die. So it's just like you just know, like a lot of people weren't making it. So um, that's what I experienced. It. So I definitely can relate to this post. If you can relate to it, definitely let me know down in the comments. What was your experience? How did you work through it? For me personally, I... Um, it was a variety of things I did. Sometimes I would drink wine to help me go to sleep. It wasn't like self-medicating. Wine just helps me relax. So I drink like a glass of wine, so I'd be more relaxed. I try to decompress after work. So I'd kind of watch like reality TV because it's kind of like mind numbing to me. It's not something I have to really focus on and use my brain for. So I just let it play in the background and kind of decompress. Um, you know, I started really getting involved in a lot of self-care sorts of things and find ways to help me unwind. So that would be like taking long baths, you know, putting the bath salts in there, you know, listening to videos on YouTube, listening to podcasts. That would be some ways I'd read my Bible for comfort, you know, read, well, reading scriptures is reading the Bible. So um, my church is just now getting back active, like in person. So I only had online church and this, it doesn't feel the same to me. So I had difficulty spiritually uh, with not being able to commune in person i guess is the word or you guys know what i mean being like gathered together with other human beings that are like-minded you know what i'm saying so i just had to do what i could do um for a while i did not tell my husband about it just because you know i didn't know if it was something that was just going to go away but when it started happening for like weeks then i was like okay let me just let him know what's going on so then at least he could understand like where i'm coming from with certain things you know what i'm saying and then um, another thing I did too, which is kind of like interesting, I used to comfort myself by telling myself, you know, like rationally speaking, logistically speaking, a lot of people of my age do not die in their sleep. So I had to say it like that, like the number one cause of death is like motor vehicle accident and it's suicides and stuff like that. And it's kind of sounds strange to say, but knowing that made me think like, okay, you know, not saying that you can't die because God can take you whenever he wants to, but it just made me like, all right, I'm less likely to die. So after a while, um, you know, it was starting to work. And then I went on vacation to Costa Rica with the Nurses Travel Network. And then I noticed I was trying to think back when I saw this post, like what did the timeline look like for me? So we did that in March and I had like a week off, I believe, for that trip. And after I came back, I didn't have any more problems. So I don't know if me getting away from everything and taking time out and not, you know, being in the same environment also aided in that, but I'm, I'm sure it did. And then just, you know, being around other nurses and being able to talk to them about different things and 
relax, unwind, be in a new environment, kind of takes your minds off of things. It kind of, uh, what is it called? Like, not like you're not living in reality, but you're kind of like removed from stuff. So during that trip, I didn't have any problems sleeping. And then when I came back, I was kind of okay. So I think, um, you know, just having some time off also helped because I also was working overtime, which can also be an issue, but I dialed back on the amount of overtime during that length of period. Cause before, like in the middle of the pandemic, I was working like almost every week overtime. And then when I got this job, not the current job I'm in, but it was one before this where I just, I'm started to work for the hospital network I'm in now. I worked there for a year on that unit I'm referring to. And then like I was working every other week over time. So it was dialed back a bit, but not like as much. I mean, like as much as it could be. So then by me having a week off, I think I kind of, you know, was rejuvenated and such. So that's how I dealt with it and got through with it. I haven't had any issues since I came back from Costa Rica. So that's good. But I, it was kind of crazy when I saw this post because... I hadn't seen anybody say anything about it before. So I was just kind of like, like in those words, I was like, that's exactly what I went through. And I did debate like whether or not I wanted to do therapy and all this stuff, but I was just kind of waiting to see. I'm like, is this a phase? Like, am I going through something right now? And you know, things like that. I have never been to therapy before and I'm not opposed to it, but it's, well, actually I lied. I've been to therapy before, but it was like to work through one particular issue. And then once I came to terms with what I needed to do, I did it. And then after that, like, I didn't really need it anymore. And um, I'm really good at self-talk and communicating now. I'm getting a lot better with that as age is coming. So I haven't had a need to go back to therapy until this instance. And I was trying to think, like, what did I want to do? So I decided to wait just to see, like, was it going to persist or what was going on? But like I said, I hadn't had any issues since Costa Rica and that was in March. So I guess you could say it was going on for like maybe a month or like a couple of weeks to a month or something like that. And I think that I just needed some time off. So definitely, you know, you guys assess what's going on with yourself emotionally. I know this is cliche to say, but you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. Make sure you're... Um, working the amount of hours that's doable for you everybody's different everybody can tolerate different things and then even if you can't tolerate it sometimes you go through periods of time where you can't so it's just like sometimes you just have to dial it back a bit and then you can go like hard again so definitely just wanted to share that with you guys because that was something i related to personally i don't know if there's anybody else out there like us who had a situation like that but like i said definitely let us know down below in the comments and we could talk about it some more so now we're going to get into our topic for today. Today we're going to be talking about another nursing school story. As I said before, I'm going to be talking about this professor that I had during nursing school. It is a different one from the one I talked about before and uh, this like professor to student relationship. So. This is not actually like my personal story. It's just something that I witnessed somebody else go through. So I'm going to talk for, to it about it from my perspective and what I saw. And we're just going to discuss it. So just a little bit of background about this professor. She was one of those hard ass, hard ass professors. Like she was a hard ass, like at almost asshole level. 
And that's the best way I could say that. I don't even know what other words I could use to like replace that. She was like a hard ass slash asshole and her classes were hard. Like, and she was one of them ones that would tell you in the beginning, you know, like this many people fell my class, you know, this many people have passed the test and stuff like that. So she will like, kind of like, I don't know if it was like to intimidate you or what, but she came off like that in the beginning of the semester. Like, hey, like a lot of people don't pass and blah, blah, blah. So we're just like, okay. So true enough to her word, a lot of people did like get weeded out in that class because a lot of people didn't, you know, make it for whatever reasons. And I don't know, it was kind of weird. I was like, I don't know if this is a power trip type of thing. Like if you liked it, a lot of people don't pass your class or if you're trying to put us on game and just tell us like, oh, this class is difficult, so you need to buckle down. But either which way, it was very like odd because I don't know what the intention was. And another thing that kind of made us feel a certain type of way about her at times is that she wasn't a nurse that long before going back to get her master's and becoming a nursing professor. So it's kind of like, how credible are you really and how much of the real world of nursing do you know in order to relay like, the information to us because she taught med surge and you guys know like med surge is like the bulk of nursing and you know you're talking about hypertension diabetes and i guess well i can't even remember how many years of experience she had on the floor maybe like one or two i can't even recall but depending on what kind of unit she worked in she could have had a wealth of knowledge you know personally because I feel like my first nursing job, I worked at for three years, so it was longer than her technically, but I feel like I learned a lot in that amount of time that a lot of people don't learn in like several years of nursing just because um, I got to see multiple things. My unit was like a true message unit and we got everything. So I got to experience different skills, different disease processes and all these sorts of things. So I don't know if her experience was similar to mine in which it was like, quality over quantity, but we definitely felt like she was a little bit less credible than other nursing professors because she like basically had like a year or two of bedside nursing and then did the MSN program and now she's teaching us about something that she barely went through. So we were just like, um, okay, whatever. So her class really was actually hard and she turned out to be a really good teacher. So she was able to convey the information in a way that I feel like I could understand it. And then she was able to provide us with life, um, lifelong, I mean, like, you know, scenarios that fit whatever we were talking about so that we could understand what we were doing, like what the subject matter was about. So it turned out to be real good for me. I learned a lot. I, I mean, like I said, that class was very hard. I definitely have to study like really hard for that one, but the material was really like well thought out. She was very organized and things of that nature. But like I said, she was still a hard ass. So that's just a little bit of background about her and how she was. And now we're gonna get into the student that is being mentioned in this um, video. So we're gonna call her Claire. So Claire was one of those like soft-spoken students. She didn't talk a lot. She's not the kind that's gonna answer the questions in class. She's just like there. But I mean, just because you're there don't mean you're not knowledgeable. And just because you don't talk don't mean you're not knowledgeable. So I don't know. I feel like a lot of nurses are kind of like more extroverted. But if you are more introverted, that won't prevent you from being a nurse. You'll just have your own way of being a nurse. And 
Patients need to experience different type of nurses because different personalities can appeal to different people. So if you are an introvert, I don't want you to get discouraged about like having to talk to patients or whatever, because you'll be able to communicate with them in a way that I'm not. So that was this girl, Claire, very soft-spoken, you know, very, you know, she's so sweet, you know, wouldn't harm a fly type of person. So one time I was studying at school, which I normally did after class, and I think I caught her crying and I was just like, hey, what's going on? Y'all, I'm a little bit nosy sometimes. I'd be like, huh, what's going on? Like, you know, tell me what's the tea, girl. So she was telling me like, you know, she went to go talk to the professor and she said she was going to fail the class. And I was like, well, what's your grade? And like the grade wasn't a grade where you knew you were going to fail. It was one of the ones that were on the brink. Like if you pass this test, then you know you pass the class. And if you don't pass the test, then you won't pass the class. So hers was right on the brink and the professor that I was talking about before she was trying to tell her like you know if I was you I'd drop this class because I don't think you're going to pass this test or whatever so this was right before the drop date so I mean it's better to drop a class and to fail it but at the same time you have to know like what you're capable of doing and then if you're able to assess your situation and know that on those first two tests you know I could have studied harder or I could have done this I could have done that then okay if you're right on the brink I say go ahead and take it It'd be different if it's just like, you know, I'm trying everything I can and I'm still not getting it. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think this was the case with her. And when she was talking to me about it, whatever she was telling me made me seem like, no, like you can do this. So I was telling her, I was like, no, don't let her tell you what you can and cannot do. I was like, you show her that you can do this. I was like, you buckle down, you study, you know, you know, point out the things that you've had difficulty understanding in the past, you know, focus on that, you know, and such and such. So I basically, you know, encouraged her in that moment and I let her know, like, you can do this. So she ended up um, passing the test and thus ended up passing that class. And she actually graduated with me. So she didn't like, you know, lose any um credits or what is it called she didn't have to like drop a class in the future or fill a class in the future and we didn't graduate together no like she passed that class and we graduated together so i just wanted to tell you guys that story because i feel like a lot of times in nursing school like people try to discourage you like students and professors sometimes they'll try to i don't that's why i said i don't know if it's a power trip thing or if it's like an intimidation tactic or what it is exactly but there are going to be some professors if you're not already in nursing school that's going to tell you like no one passes my class. Look to your left, look to your right. When are y'all going to fail? Like, that's what they do. It's really crazy that they do it like this because that should not be the goal. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all need nurses. And I understand, like, you're trying to make competent nurses and you need to, they need to grasp the material at hand. But that whole look to, look to your left, look to your right, like, I don't subscribe to that. So I wanted to share that with y'all because if you haven't experienced that, you probably will experience it if you're going to go to nursing school. And I just want to, you know, encourage you guys that you guys can do it. The thing is, you just need to figure out what what are you missing? Sometimes it's content related and then sometimes it's more so how to answer questions and like you not understanding exactly what the question is asking you to do. So once you understand which one you are, then you're able to better address your weaknesses so that you can get through it. So don't let anybody tell you what you can and cannot do. Only you know that. And ultimately, nursing school and being a nurse is about believing in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, then who will? Like, that's just on period. 
because this is your life. You know what you want to do with your life. You know you, where you want to be and you're the only person that's going to get you there. So I just want to encourage you guys that you can do it. You will get through this and you will, you know, reach the finish line. So if you guys can relate to that nursing school story, y'all definitely let me know. Uh, definitely send encouraging words, motivating words, you know, anything to uplift each other so that we can like share our experiences and let each other know, like, no, you can do this. It's hard, but you can do this. So I had a good time talking to you guys today. And before we leave, we're going to do scrub and sip. So scrub and sip. Um, let's see. So for those who are just now listening for the first time, so what scrub and sip is that we're going to scrub from our mind one bad thing or something that we didn't particularly like about the healthcare system this week. And then we're going to sip to something good that happened this week as it relates to nursing. So I didn't think this out beforehand. So now I'm going to kind of have to think about what I want to scrub. Oh, I remember. Okay. So I did have a patient this week. He literally waited all day for a neurologist to come by because he was a stroke rule out patient. He waited all day for a neurologist to come by to clear him so that he could go home. So I'm just scrubbing that because it's kind of ridiculous that there's like this long wait period in healthcare in general. Like the patient could have been discharged. Somebody else could have been in the room, but we're just waiting on one person to come by. And she actually did end up clearing him. She just wanted him to get like his CT and MRI. It was just like, okay, you know, he did suffer like an acute stroke, but it wasn't anything significant. He didn't have any deficits. So she ended up discharging him home, but she wanted him to get an echo before he went. So he ended up having to stay another night because she came so late in the evening. So she came like at five, ordered the echo. Echo at that particular hospital is not available at that time or later. So then the patient had to wait until the morning to get the echo performed and she didn't even want them to wait for the results because she said that they could follow up outpatient in regards to that so it's just kind of like that patient had been waiting from like the morning well like basically 24 hours or well not nah, gonna say 24 hours. okay they were waiting like 10 hours for the neurologist to come out to come by and then she came and then they had to end up staying the whole night so it's just kind of ridiculous so i just want to scrub that from my mind because you know patients frustrated families frustrated i'm just like i don't know what's going on we're just waiting for the doctor to come by i don't know what to tell you so i just want to scrub that and then today we are sipping to let's see um, i'm like did anything good happen oh okay we can we can sip to this so Y'all get y'all water, y'all tea, y'all wine, whatever y'all sipping to throughout this episode. So we're going to sip to me having a chill work day. My last work day was so chill. You know, all my patients were good. I passed all my meds early. You know, everything was on time. And I was just chilling for the most part for the day. I was listening to podcasts and it was just a good shift. All my patients were safe. They was medicated and we were all just like, this is the life. All my patients were nice, understanding, and we like that. We like that around here. So cheers, guys. We're about to take a sip, and I'll see you guys next week.